Please help me welcome J. Lauren Norris. I don't know if you've ever been on that team with that one player, you know, that one that doesn't want to share the ball, doesn't want to share the scores, doesn't want to share the goals. Now, it's like they've got their own little vision. They, they want the trophies. They want the awards. They want the ribbons. They want the scouts to see them play. They don't care if anybody else gets to play. They don't care if anybody else gets to win. And there are people like that in your organization as you lead it right now. That's what I want to talk about in this episode of Leading Leaders. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast. And if you've been leading any period of time, you know there are people on your team that, well, they're on your team, but they don't really play for your team. I mean, they're on your team. They're paid by you. They're trained by you. They're empowered by you. They're authorized by you. They're operating under the auspices that they are an integral part of your team. But at the end of the day, it seems painfully obvious. They're really not all about what the team accomplishes as much as they are about what they accomplish. These are the kind of people that hog the attention. They want to make sure that if there's a microphone around, they're on it. If there's a spotlight to stand in front of, they're in front of it, not behind it. If there's a camera to be moved around, their face is in front of it. I can't tell you how many times I've been in the video booth or behind the video camera watching a tripod and see people change their positions in a room to make sure that they are on the camera. They'll watch the live stream either on their phone or on the screen and reposition themselves to make sure that they're in the image and they can be seen in their best light from the best angle every single time. And it seems like that would be an obnoxiously obvious way to self-promote during someone else's project. But that's not the only way people do it. You know as well as I do, if you're a leader, that there are those who will steal the limelight in a report. They'll steal the limelight in the submission of a project. They'll steal the limelight, take the credit, throw you under the bus just as fast in anything that gets promoted to the public or upstream. Anything that's got to be said to those who have even more power than you do, they want their name on it. If it's bad, They'll be sure to magnify your name, highlight it, circle it with red, big giant arrows pointing it from every way. This is their fault, their problem. I had nothing to do with it, but wow, look how bad they were. On the other hand, if it's a good thing, it's exactly the other way around, right? They want all the credit, even if they had nothing to do with it. Well, why is that? Well, because they're egotists. They're driven by their own accolades. They're driven by their resume. They want to know that when they leave from here, all of the good stuff you could stuff into a resume to make it look good, it's on theirs. And they don't care who they've got to lie about or take advantage of or what project they had nothing to do with that they need to take credit for just to get that promotion or that accolade. Now, we know this is true because even in politics, we have people running for office that have zero credentials whatsoever. I call them box tickers. 
In the supply clerk world, we call them box kickers. They're the people who kick boxes from one end of the room to the other because their arms are so full of boxes that they don't have a choice. But box tickers are the ones that they know what the game is. They know what the algorithm's looking for when you submit your resume or your application through an online system. Long before a human sees it, AI and other tools are looking to say, well, it does, does it have this word in it? Does it include this education level? Does it include this kind of background? Does it have these particular searchable, knowable facts? And some of these people, that's really all they're striving for. They want to be able to say, I was close enough to the alligator to be called an alligator hunter. I, I mean, I, I never really got out of the car, uh, but I did have a gun in my hand. No, I mean, I, it was a marshmallow gun, but, but I was in the car when the alligator was present. I heard it roar. I had my marshmallow gun. I was ready to drown that alligator in marshmallows if I had to. I am an alligator hunter. And that's about as valid as their ability to serve your team. The real challenge comes when they're called upon to deliver the goods behind the declarations of their competence. Now, if you've worked with any of these people, their resume looks solid. I've been engaged with and done business with a couple of people that if you didn't know who they were, and in fact, I was personally fooled a couple of times by introductions delivered from the stage by the individual who's about to come up. And as soon as I heard the introduction and the list of all their accolades and accomplishments and relationships and the name dropping, I thought, holy cow, this is, this is going to be like George Clooney walking out here. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed that the person putting this event on got this individual just by their credentials to get them to come and be a part of this. That is incredible. I'm digging for my notebook and my journal and an extra pen in case I run out of ink. And then somebody walks to the stage that I've been doing business with for years. And I'm like, really? I mean, it was all the fanfare in the world for this individual before they got up there. But anybody that knows them knows they're the marshmallow hunter, not the crocodile hunter. They're the ones that might show up in time for s'mores long after the alligator has been skinned and turned into boots. But by wearing the boots, they will claim they are alligator hunters. You know them. They work around you. Perhaps even you've been forced to work for them. Because for whatever reason, they tend to elevate themselves and get promoted to the top of the food chain because people buy into the introduction. I remember early on somebody telling me, don't believe your own press. Well, if you live in a world of Grant Cardone or Gary Vee or some of these others, they'll say, promote, promote, promote. People got to know your name. They got to know about you. You got to be out there telling everybody how good you are and what you're capable of and what you can accomplish. And I don't disagree with that from a business promotion standpoint. Here's my challenge. Make it true. Don't just make a claim. Make it true. If you're going to say that you can do something, that you have done something, that you're competent at something... Stand up behind it. Do the actual homework. Do your own push-ups. Nobody else can do them for you. Put in the work to be worthy of the competence that you claim. Now, I can tell you this. Unit cohesion is a, it's a really big deal because without unit cohesion, things tend to disrail. I, I mean, I can give you a real example, a real tragic 
example. The old phrase is that unit cohesion is like a well-oiled machine. It's when everybody's kind of working in the same direction, and although they admit there are problems and it's not perfect and probably never going to be perfect because, well, you know, humans are involved and they're not perfect. But while all that is true, everything is operating in the same direction. That's when the team is covering for each other's mistakes. And I don't mean covering up mistakes. Covering for and covering up are two totally different things. Covering for the mistakes is when you say, I see that spot of weakness and I'm going to step in the gap, even though you didn't ask. I'm going to make sure that the task gets done. I'm going to help you where I can, do it for you if I must, but I'm not going to let the mission be derailed by your incompetence or your miss or your weakness or your overwhelm. See, good leadership is able to recognize when a team is clicking on all cylinders and even when it's misfiring a little bit and things are not working exactly the way they should be, there's always someone in that team who's willing to say, hey, let me hold that for you while you finish that task because I realize <clears throat> maybe you're in over your head. You got too many things going on at one time. I'm struggling right now with my right hand just a little bit. I, it, I guess it would be like a bit of tendonitis because I spent the entire week last week controlling a remote camera with a push button remote, like six different buttons in different places on the remote to zoom and to pan left and to pan right and to pan up and to pan down and to move to different places and Conducting a roundtable from the AV booth is it's hard to get 30 different people on camera face first without having somebody standing in the middle. We pulled it off. I think we did a pretty good job of it. But I have a little bit of tendonitis as a result of that. Well, near the end of the event, we brought in one more helper. And I was able to put him on a mobile camera and say, just keep the guy in charge in the camera. We won't have to rely near as much on the robot if we have one camera operator dedicated to that. Made all the difference in the world. One person to cover the gaps. One person to do the work that previously was being done by one person divided over three jobs. See, it's amazing how a team that loses sight of its mission might say, wow, so-and-so looks really bad at that. They can't keep up with that camera. They can't keep people in the shot. Well, no, you need somebody to cover the bases. A good team says, let me find a way to fix that. There were times that I simply couldn't get the right angle without the back of somebody else's head in the shot. And so all I could do was shoot from a distance. Ah, but my producer who was going to live stream knew how in the stream to zoom into the product and make sure that what was on the screen, what was, was supposed to be on the screen. Now, I could just change the angle in a heartbeat on the switcher and give him a whole different picture. Let me tell you what that sounds like in real life. Not just the video, not just the stream, not just the wrong person on the camera. Though it sounds like, well, maybe you've heard this phrase, <clears throat> the squeaky wheel gets the grease. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. Well, that's probably true 95% of the time. Sometimes the squeaky, squeaky wheel gets replaced. And sometimes the squeaky wheel gets blamed on somebody else. And they pass the buck. 
They don't share responsibility. They don't step up and say, hey, we're all on the same team. We're all going in the same direction. We all have the same goal, the same mission, the same vision to be accomplished. And therefore, I don't care if it's on my job description or not. I don't care if it becomes an accolade in my resume or not. I don't care if I get the glory for it or not. I don't care if I get recognized, awarded, or compensated for it or not. If the team is going to move forward, if the mission is going to be accomplished, I may have to do a task that's not in my job description. That means if there's a wheel that's squeaking, whether oil is my job or not, I'm going to oil the wheel. I'm not going to let the squeaky wheel squeak. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to do everything I can. Maybe it's notify somebody else. Maybe it's remind the guy who's responsible for oil. Maybe it's to grab the oil can and do it myself. That's unit cohesion. That's commitment to a shared vision. Train derailments that happen because axles and brakes get overheated, because they haven't been properly maintained, that's the result of a lack of unit cohesion, a lack of team commitment, a lack of leadership saying, I don't care what it takes, just get the job done. Now, there is a place, especially as a leader, that you're going to have to make a decision. You're going to realize at some point there are people on your team who are not contributing to the completion of your tasks. They're not pouring in to make sure that what you're doing gets done right and on time. They're just not. And the result of that is potentially destruction of your team, potentially a devastating outcome like East Palestine, potentially the loss of life, the loss of millions of dollars, the loss of ecology for a long period of time. All of these disasters were man-made by incompetence and a lack of unit cohesion. Because unit cohesion would have said, we have a goal, we have a mission, we have a project to accomplish, <clears throat> and that may not be my job, but I'm not going to let the job go undone just because it won't show up on my resume. I'm going to get the job done because the task needs to be done and I know how to do it. And it's the right thing to do. See, what happens when a leader has people within the team who have a different vision? Maybe their vision is just self-promotion. It's pad the resume. It's get ready for the next job. It's when the job that you currently have, they want to be your boss, not your subordinate. Maybe it's to move on to the next thing. They're ready to leapfrog past you to the very tippy top. Maybe it's to leave the organization and Go start something competitive. But whatever their agenda is, it's not the team's mission, the team's vision, or the team's goal. They kind of got their own thing going. That's a challenge all by itself. But it means that you have more than one vision. You have a divided vision. In other words, you have division within your organization. That lack of cohesive vision that lack of cohesive mission means you will not have a cohesive unit. You will not have a team that does their role, that sticks together, that fights to the end, doing their job and somebody else's if need be, not for the glory, not for the success of themselves, but for the success of the team. All those things are inextricably linked. You cannot separate them. If your team is not on mission, if your team is not on vision, 
a shared vision. You will not have unit cohesion. Here's the thing you got to know about that shared vision, that shared mission, that one thing that drives them forward. It comes from you, the leader. And the more articulate you are on it, the more clear that message is, the easier it will be to define the task necessary to accomplish it. Write it down. Make it clear. Make it abundant. Make it so repetition that, so repetitive that they say it in their sleep. They get up in the morning brushing their teeth and they know the unit mission because they've said it 10,000 times during the day and they've executed it at every opportunity. That will give you unit cohesion. That will put you closer to your mission goals and assignments. Without that, though, you may just have a bunch of renegades that are gathered together in the same place, all playing off a different scorecard, perhaps even playing a different game. It's up to you as the leader to create a vision so clear that everybody can see it. I don't care what your organization is. If it's a church, if it's a small business, if it's a large business, if it's a political team, if it's a family, if it's a school, if it's a classroom, everybody who's participating, everybody who's contributing should know what the end game looks like. How would they define a win? How would they define success for your team? If you ask them all blindly, what would a great success look like for our team? What are the odds they'd all have the same answer? That's all up to you. If you haven't given them that answer to strive for, chances are they don't have one. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast for Tell It Like It Is TV. Have a blessed day. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom. Hi, my name is Christina Knowles, and I just got done taking Jay Lauren's Story Power Masterclass. It was amazing. I took away so much information. Um, one of the things that I really enjoyed being formally trained in media many, many years ago is the call to action. I will use that with every speaking engagement, and I'm so grateful that Lauren just um, spoke truth into his teachings, and he is a true professional. And I know this might sound weird, but I've been taking certifications in different classes over the years, and Lauren is not boring. I can't even believe I got here at nine, and then the class went by so fast that I was like, it's time to go already? And I was shocked that it was time to go already. So it's an awesome class. You're going to enjoy it, I promise. Lauren is a master teacher on storytelling, and I learned so much. Um, I'm really going to have to sit down and go back through everything, and I think I might have to have some more coffees with Lauren, but uh, it was totally worth my time.